Well, today, um, I'm not sure if uh, most of you know, but uh, today is what's traditionally known as Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday, what is that? What does it mean? Well, it means that uh, what we do is remember and we honor uh, that day of Pentecost, seven uh, Sundays after the uh, Holy Spirit came upon those first disciples in the upper room. And, you know, when we think about Pentecost Sunday, uh, sometimes, uh, or just the term Pentecost or Pentecostal, uh, a lot of times we're not sure exactly what that means. Even as born-again believers in the Christian world, there's confusion about Pentecost and being Pentecostal. Sad thing is sometimes people are ashamed when they ask you, what church or what, what kind of uh, religion do you have or what is your faith? And uh, we say we're born-again believers, and they go, Pentecostal? And they give you that look. And yeah, 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 we're Pentecostal, yeah. And we need not to be ashamed of who we are as the people of God and what Pentecost represents. You know, it's sad because this world likes to mock not only faith, uh, our faith in Jesus Christ, but our experience with uh, the Holy Spirit, the third partner of the Trinity uh, and uh, of the Godhead. And it mocks us, you know, comedians uh, through, through movies that they make, uh, seeming to mock uh, Christians who are filled with the Holy Spirit or believe and practice uh, uh, under, being under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And so what I want to do this morning is take a few moments and um, bring some understanding and wisdom uh, as to how we are as Christians uh, more victorious and when we're under the influence and operating under the power of the Holy Spirit, there's an anointing and an endowment or um, an extra source of power and authority that comes into our lives as believers, as men and women of God. We need that endowment, that power and authority, simply because of the way the world is today. You know, the Christians needed it back in, in uh, Jesus' time when the Holy Spirit, he promised, was going to come upon the disciples. They needed it then, and I want to tell you something, even more than now and ever, you and I as Christians need the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Ghost working in our lives. And so I want to take a few moments to kind of teach and explain how that took place, when that took place in the believers' lives, and what that means for you and I. Then after I'm done preaching this morning, what I'm going to do is uh, make an altar call for those who uh, may not be filled with that evidence of the power of the Holy Spirit, which is called speaking in other tongues that we're going to read about. And it's nothing to fear. It's nothing to, to be skittish about or to resist. But when I'm done with this message, I pray that you'll have a full comprehension, understanding of exactly what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We are, after all, uh, the people of God, 
that God has given to us and promised to us uh, that power. And so we know that we are in a spiritual warfare. I am titled this uh, message this morning, God's Word and the Holy Spirit. God's Word and the Holy Spirit, because it's not only necessary that we are, are knowledgeable with the Word of God. We need that, and we need to have the Word of God operating uh, the truth of God's Word working in our lives. But yet we also need the Holy Spirit, which the Bible says leads and guides us into all truth. And so we're going to see how the two work in conjunction alongside of each other. God's Word and the Holy Spirit operating in us to give us truth and guidance because of the spiritual warfare that we're involved in. Some of you have experienced spiritual warfare, supernatural things, the strategies that the Bible speaks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And this is not my text, but just to kind of give a little bit of background as to why we need to seek the Holy Spirit's anointing and power uh, so that we can overcome those things that uh, go beyond our natural understanding or abilities in the flesh to deal with. It's because there's some things we can deal with in the flesh. Isn't that right? We can correct some things with, with this flesh. But then there are other things, other spiritual aspects of the things we face in life that go beyond the flesh and that need to, to in, involve the power of the Holy Spirit. It says there in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3, though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. And on the contrary, we have divine, heavenly power to demolish the strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take into captivity every thought, make it obedient to Christ. So obviously we've spoken about the spiritual warfare before, but I want to relate that as to what the, Paul writes, how important it is that we have divine or heavenly power to demolish those strategies of the enemy, strongholds of the enemy that want to destroy your faith, that want to uh, interfere with God's progress he wants to make in your life. So the Bible shows clearly that we need the Word of God and the Holy Spirit working in our lives in order to effectively defeat the principalities and the powers, the darkness, the spirit of the enemy that wants to come and assault us. In John chapter 14, this is my text that I want to read uh, with you. In verse 26, John chapter 14 and verse 26, this is what it says as Jesus is speaking to the disciples and he's giving them instruction. He says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things I said to you. Bring to remembrance all the things I said to you. So the Holy Spirit is an instructor. The Holy Spirit brings uh, 
to remembrance the things that Jesus is, was teaching the disciples and the things that we learn uh, as we come to church and as we read the Word of God. Now, I don't know about you, but I, not, I need all the help I can do in remembering. As I get a little on in years, it seems like it's more and more difficult to remember the things that uh, I read about or uh, that took place in my life a couple of weeks ago, you know, last month, or sometimes even yesterday. And so we need the Holy Spirit. It's so important that we uh, search and allow the Holy Spirit to operate in our lives. It's so, so critical. The day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. So many scriptures, too many I'm going to be reading to you. I'd like for you to write them down and take notes so that you on your own time can go home and study the Word of God and allow the Word of God to speak to you as an individual so that you will have understanding because the Holy Spirit wants to teach us. And uh, I'm going to do, I was going to do a sermon this morning, but um, I just felt the leading to, to bring this message, especially because it was uh, today, the, the Pentecost Sunday. But in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be speaking about uh, created to learn. And we've been created to learn, and we'll get into that in a couple of weeks. But today, the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, and uh, says in the first four verses there, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So we see here the picture and this scene of what took place on this day, the day of Pentecost. And it says that uh, there were a lot of different nations represented, a lot of different areas of the world that came to celebrate. The, the day of feasts is what it was. And uh, what took place is that they heard uh, the, the, those disciples speaking in their languages. And what were the results of that in, in verses 5, 6, and all the way down through verse 13, as you go on and read later on in your home? Well, several things took place when they heard the disciples speaking in these other languages. One of the main things was that they were confused. They, they didn't understand what was going on. It says they were amazed that these were unlearned men, these were just fishermen, etc., and so on, speaking in these, their language, and, and being able to, to speak with them. And so they were amazed at what was going on, but they were also puzzled. How could this happen? Confused, amazed, they were puzzled, and, and, and perplexed about what in the world was going on. And then, they started to mock, and make fun of these, saying that they were drunk, and that uh, they were babbling uh, and speaking things that they didn't even know what they were saying. So these were the initial responses, and that's why it's so important that we need to understand 
not only do we need the Holy Spirit working in our lives, the, 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 the power of the Holy Spirit uh, um, uh, bringing us direction and understanding, but we need the Word of God to teach uh, what exactly the Holy Spirit wants to say, what the Holy Spirit, uh, how He wants to direct us. And so we see the Word of God after the disciples are filled and they're speaking with these other tongues and languages, the Word of God comes on the scene. And now what begins to take place is understanding. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He wants to bring understanding through the Word of God. And Peter begins to quote from the book of Joel, the prophet, and the book of Psalms. And in verses 14 through 19, Peter stands up after these people are wondering, perplexed, they're puzzled, they're amazed, they're mocking. He begins to bring wisdom through God's word. He begins to teach them about what was happening. But Peter standing up, it says, with 11, raised his voice and said to them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and take heed to my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they will prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. And so Peter steps out and begins to speak with confidence and bring correction uh, to those who were mocking and confused uh, and didn't understand. Uh, and he begins to teach them according to the word uh, of God. He goes on and begins to witness to them after he gives them understanding of what was taking place he uses that opportunity to preach God's word to preach about Jesus Christ and who he was in verses 32 and in verse 33 he says this Jesus God has raised up of which we are all witnesses therefore being exalted to the right hand of God having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit he poured out which uh, this which you now see and uh, hear. Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit and God's Word and is utilizing and using God's Word to bring wisdom and guidance to the people there. You see, we see how God's Word and the Holy Spirit bring understanding and bring people into a different dimension of power and authority. The Bible says that the people were convicted in verse 37 after Peter began, finished preaching the word of God, the Holy Spirit began to convict them. And people began to 
uh, repent and be delivered. And in verse 38 and 39, it speaks about how now there was a harvest of 3,000 souls that uh, were added to the church there in verse 41. So we see how the Holy Spirit was the promise that Jesus said was going to come, the Father was going to bring. How important that is. The world wants to mock the gifting of the Holy Spirit. The, 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 this society wants to dis, dis, uh, just bring a, a halt to the working of the Holy Spirit, not only uh, in, in the church, but in those who claim to be Pentecostal, to tone it down and, you know, don't scare people away. This is why when we uh, worship and you hear someone bringing a prophecy, there is order to that prophecy that is being brought. There is wisdom. It's not confusion. It is one at a time. And then after the, the, the speaking in tongues, uh, then there is uh, the interpretation of the tongues, if that's the case. But everything is done in order, and we should not be ashamed of uh, the Pentecost uh, faith that we have this morning, can you say amen? We need to stand up for the Holy Spirit who works in our lives. And look at what happened here. 3,000 souls were added to the, the church at that time. And then it goes on and says, they all continued steadfastly in the doctrine uh, of the apostles and uh, the fellowship. Total commitment we see was a result uh, of the Holy Spirit being poured out and uh, the, the Word of God being preached to them. See, this is what we strive for. This is why we preach God's Word and allow the conviction of the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. The church was birthed uh, at this time, and it began to reach those uh, who were spread abroad. It began to change uh, those men and women of God who called themselves Christians. That's what the Holy Spirit does. It brings a new sense of authority and power and dominion. I think about uh, our church here in, in Norwalk. We got a call this past week, and some of you know that. Some of the ladies know that there was a person who wanted prayer, and they were sensing a, some kind of demonic uh, uh, action or, or uh, things taking place in their home. And so they called and said, yes, you know, we need, we need someone to come and pray. You know, and I'm sure there might have been, uh, who knows, if other churches might have got the call. Oh, I'm sorry, we don't do that. You know, you need to call Ghostbusters. <laughs> you know, you know, you know we, don't, we don't believe in that. But thank God that they were able to call a church who still believes in the power of the Holy Ghost that brings deliverance and can set captives free from demonic influence and power. And that's what was taking place there in our story. And that we still believe that God is uh, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that as we continue to strive and allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, it will bring that, ex that, that power and authority that we so need, not only to help people uh, in our jobs, in our schools, wherever we are, but in our own lives. The church was birthed at that point in time and began to make an impact 
throughout the world. I read a quote that said, Through this baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire, the apostles became more knowledgeable and had a greater understanding of the mysteries of the gospel. And then they were more qualified to preach the gospel to all nations and all languages. You see, we can never look at the Holy Spirit as being non-essential. You know, we live in a day and age, obviously, this past year and a half, of what is essential versus non-essential, right? You know, this is essential, that's essential, but, you know, this is non-essential. The church was non-essential. Thank God for some of the victories uh, that the church experienced uh, and, and said, yeah, we are essential and we will come together and preach, the, listen to the Word of God. And there are those that want to make the Holy Spirit non-essential, but I tell you here this morning, the Holy Spirit is essential to you and I in our lives as believers, as Christians. And the apostles received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And they wanted to pass that on to those who were searching and those uh, who still did not know about uh, the Holy Spirit. That's what's so powerful about the book of Acts. When you read the book of Acts, you see how the Holy Spirit begins to touch uh, and begins to come into the households and bring uh, healing and bring salvation uh, into those families. And this is what we should expect can happen when we partner together, when we come together and allow the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to be unified and work in us and begin to transform not only our lives, but the world around us. Hebrews, the Holy Spirit and the Word of God produce and bring honor and glory to God. In Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, I talked about conviction and how conviction, some try to fight off conviction, but how conviction of the Holy Spirit gets deep down where we live and exposes those things in our lives that are not right and that are, are keeping us from experiencing the fullness of God. In Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. We need the Holy Spirit to continually work in our lives so that it can expose areas deep down that need to be changed, that need to be removed, that are hindering what God wants to do in our lives. It's the Holy Spirit. You know, conviction, people will come into church and hear the Word of God, and they may be living in sin and, and, and may not be right with God in areas of their lives. But unless they allow the Holy Spirit that revealed that, those areas to continue the work through the Word of God as it's being preached, nothing is going to change. We'll go out those doors the same way we came in. And what a tragedy for that to be the case. Can you say amen? 
God brings us. He allows us to come into his presence. Why? Yes, so we can worship. We can praise and glorify God. But yet, not only that, but we can come in and allow God through his Holy Spirit and word to transform us, to change us, so that we can walk out of these doors better than when we came in, freer than when we came in, more wise than when we came in. We need the demonstration and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and especially operating in the church today. John chapter 7, verse 38 and 39. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. You see, God promised, Jesus was speaking to those listening before he was crucified, God is going to bring rivers of living water in your life. There's going to be a spiritual awakening that's going to take place in your life. And uh, when you receive this, something is going to happen in your life that you do not yet have. There's going to be a power. There's going to be an understanding. There's going to be something uh, that goes beyond the natural, that is supernatural, that's going to help you to live a a fruitful and victorious life uh, in this world. Uh, And so seek that Holy Spirit for your life and the Word of God. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and in verses 4 and 5. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. You see, it's when you get the Word of God uh, operating under the Spirit and through the Holy Spirit, you'll be able to discern truth from worldly wisdom, spiritual truth and understanding. There's so much worldly wisdom out there that wants to direct your life. So much worldly knowledge uh, out there that wants to uh, infect your life and your family and your children to say, this is uh, the way you should live. This is what you should believe. This is what will help you. But I'll tell you what, when you have the Holy Spirit working in you and operating in you, you will be able to discern, to tell the difference between what that and what God's Word says is right. What they and what God says is correct and how we should live. That's why it's so important that you seek God's Holy Spirit. Let it work in you, conviction that brings a a change in our life. I'm going to wind this down this morning because it's so important, especially in these last days that we're living in where there are going to be, as the Word of God says, deceiving spirits. There are going to be deceiving strategies of the enemy that would like to mock and to to copy the power 
of God. We see that with Moses and Pharaoh. As Moses went before Pharaoh, the, the Pharaoh's magicians would try to mock Moses and the power that he showed before Pharaoh. The enemy will always want to mimic and try to mock the Holy Spirit. And this morning, we need to understand how when we allow God's Word and the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, see what it is able to produce, because it produces. We know the spiritual things. We know what the book of Galatians speaks about when it talks about the flesh and the spirit. So let's look at some of the spiritual applications concerning the Holy Spirit and the Word of God that we need to allow work, work together in our lives. The Holy Spirit and wholeness. What is that? One of the functions of the Holy Spirit is obviously to convict us of the sin in our life. And when we pray in the Holy Spirit, when we pray and speak in other tongues, we do that. What we're doing is we're allowing, we're speaking to God. It's, it's, it's a, not a natural voice, but it's a supernatural communication that even we don't understand with our mind, but it's a communication between our spirit and God that begins to reveal to us those areas of sin in our lives. That's why it's so important that we pray in tongues. Paul says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than you all. Why? Because he understood the importance of what takes place, the wholeness uh, that, re that, that results when we speak in other tongues. In John chapter 16, and in verses 8 and 9, and when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they do not believe in me. God's purpose for the Holy Spirit, not only to allow conviction concerning our sins, but so that we'll desire to change what God has revealed in us that is not right. Change as through the word of God as it comes and begins to bring understanding about our lives. See, it's one thing to come in, as I said, and be convicted, but it's another thing to allow the conviction to begin to work and to bring change. I God, I don't want to be the same anymore. I want, I want to change this part of my life. We've all at one point in time, thank God, came into a church, and when we heard the Word of God, something touched us. It was the Holy Spirit. Something began to make us feel uncomfortable. It was the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And thank God, we just didn't let it sit there at that point. But we said, God, do something in my life. Uh, change this that I feel in my life is not right. And we did that. And that, that, that changed us, our destiny, and changed who we were as individuals. So important that we understand the importance of what the Holy Spirit does in a church, in a person's life, 
And I shared this story before when Nancy and I went to go start the church in Manchester, England. We were renting a Methodist church, and we know the Methodist symbol is a, a cloven, their banner is a, a, a symbol of a cloven tongues on fire. That's what their, their banner is. That's, a pen, that's the Methodist uh, symbol. And so they had this banner in, in the fellowship hall that we were going to rent for church. And so um, we wanted to have a revival. And I asked the pastor that was renting us the church, can we use the church for a revival? And the pastor looked at me, he says, what, what's a revival? I said, well, you know, it's when you have a series of meetings and, you know, God moves in a special way, two or three days, and, you know, there's something special takes place, the Holy Spirit moves. He goes, um, okay. I said, you know, it's that banner you have hanging there. See the power, see the fire. That's what revival is. You know, God help us that we don't fall into that point where we know about the Holy Spirit, we heard about the Holy Spirit, we even have symbols about the Holy Spirit, but it's not operating in our lives. God help us that we don't come to that place, that we remain sensitive to the Holy Spirit, even as Christians, and says, God, show me, convict me, those areas in my life, I don't want to be the same. Change me so I can be different and more like you. 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. See, it's the Holy Spirit that works in us. If we allow the Holy Spirit, not only here in church, but at your job, at your school, at home, wherever you are, sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Is this what I need to do? Is this what I need, where I need to be? Is, is this what I need to let be go, going on in my life? Glory to glory, the change that comes day by day. That's the job of the Holy Spirit that we need to allow to work in our lives. Don't minimize that. Don't, don't allow yourself to be um, intimidated by the world when they ask you what your faith is and uh, you tell them that you are born again. And when they mention the word Pentecostal, say, yeah, that's right. I am a Pentecostal, born-again believer. I believe in the working of the Holy Spirit. The full gospel, basically. I'm a full gospel Christian. I don't eliminate anything. Right? As our music ministry makes their way to the platform, I'm going to look at the Word of God and the producing of wholeness in our life. We know the Holy Spirit needs to produce a, a cleansing, a healing from sin, exposing that transformation in our lives. In John chapter 17, in verse 17, Jesus speaks and says, Sancti Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Your word is truth. Once we are convicted by the Holy Spirit, 
and we acknowledge there's sin in our life, we acknowledge a change needs to take place, takes place, then it's the Word of God, the truth of God's Word that begins to bring wholeness, sanctification in our life. It's the Word of God that instructs us now how we should live, how we should become more Christ-like, more like Jesus. It's the Word of God which is the standard now that we adjust our lives to. It's when the Holy Spirit, as going back to the day of Pentecost, because that's where we started this thing, there was the speaking of other tongues and languages. And then there was the Word of God that came to clarify and to bring truth and understanding. For you and I, now it's the Word of God that brings a realignment of our lifestyles and our priorities once the Holy Spirit has convicted us and shown us those things that are out of alignment, those areas that are not right. Ephesians chapter 5 and in verse 26, the Apostle Paul writes, that he might sanctify and cleanse her, talking about the church, with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. See, it's the Holy Spirit that brings conviction and exposes, cuts down deep into our life. And then it's the word of God now that comes to sanctify, to cleanse, and to wash, and to prepare us to take away those things, those blemishes that might interfere with our faith, would interfere with our relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, that takes place, change takes place when you and I come into agreement with the Holy Spirit, the conviction, and what the Word of God says about us. And we begin to apply it to our lives. That's when the change begins. When we agree with the Word of God that things need to change. And the result is there an anointing that takes place. The Holy Spirit activates activates that change to begin to take place. My granddaughter buys, has this little bag of little pebbles. And, uh, you know, she, what you do is you get these little things, you open them up and you put them in water. And after a period of time, those little round pebbles become that size. Puffballs. Because of the water that starts to activate whatever is inside that little grain. It's a toy. It's a game for them. You see, that's what happens with you and I. When we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us, to convict us, it begins to activate when it, 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 it becomes joined with the Word of God to bring us, to, bring us to that place of fullness, that place of maturity and 
to become full grown in the things of God. In Matthew 18 and verse 19, again I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Brings us into our destiny, folks. It's the Word of God and through the Holy Spirit that brings us to that place that God wants us to be. So this morning, as we bow our heads before the Lord, close our eyes. What 